Good morning and welcome to worship at Brentwood Baptist Church. Thanks for being part of our online experience. We look for the day when we can all gather back together, but until then, we're glad that we have this process uh, available. You knew there'd be a reaction, didn't you? I mean, if once the pendulum kind of swings this way for a little while, then it has to swing back the other way. So we went through a period of time in our culture where it was all about getting, getting more and more and more. Now, we have developed a reaction. It's called minimalism. Have you heard about it? It is this understanding that all of the stuff that we have accumulated is actually getting in our way of things that are important. We have so much stuff that it gets in the way of relationships. Uh, parents can't talk to children because the parents are always on the phone. Uh, kids get lost in uh, iPads and video games and, and never ever talk to their friends. So now there's this whole push to let go of everything, to push everything out. And now, of course, we have a television show about people getting rid of their stuff. Have you ever watched Hoarders? It's where people step into these people's lives who have now become unlivable because of all the junk they have in their house. And in the process of taking stuff away, the person who is the subject of this show will have anxiety, a panic attack. You can't take that away. You can't move that, leave that alone. And the reason is they derive some kind of meaning from their stuff. Where do you get your meaning from? What is it that gives your life purpose? What is it, who is it, that gives your life identity and direction? <laughs> it's not a multiple choice question. And yes, you can get it wrong. Luke tells us the story of just such a man in the 18th chapter of his gospel. You and I know the story because we call it the rich young ruler. Luke tells us he's a ruler. The other gospel tells us that he's rich and young. And so we've all put it together to this one story. Hear now the word of the Lord. A ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. I've kept all these from my youth, he said. When Jesus heard this, he told him, you still lack one thing. Sell all you have and distribute it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. After the man heard this, he became extremely sad. He was very rich. And seeing that he became sad, Jesus said, How hard it is for those who have wealth to enter into the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard Jesus say this asked him, then who can be saved? 
What is impossible with men, Jesus said, is possible with God. What is possible, what is impossible with men, Jesus said, is possible with God. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. All of us would ask you the same question this man asked. What do we have to do? So for all of us who pray this prayer, for all of us who ask this question, we pray as you give us this, your answer in the moments that follow, that unlike him, we will do exactly what you tell us to do. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Jesus just let him go. To me, this is one of the most poignant moments in all of the New Testament. Can you imagine? Jesus is walking along. The crowd is around him. People are shouting at him. You can imagine him to be like a modern-day politician with the press around him. Everybody's shouting questions. Everybody wanting Jesus' attention. And this man gets Jesus' attention. Good teacher, he says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus begins to quote the commandments. But Jesus does something interesting. He quotes the second half of the commandments first. Now, if you have read the Ten Commandments, you know the first five or so deal with our relationship with God. They are vertically focused. The last five or so deal with our horizontal relationships, our relationships with each other. That's where Jesus starts. He doesn't start with number one. He starts with the last five. You know what they are. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't commit murder. And the man hears this and says, I have kept these commandments from my youth. Now you expect Jesus to say, ah, now, I know of this time and this date and this time and this date when you didn't do what you're saying you did, when you broke this commandment and broke that commandment. But Jesus lets it stand. He doesn't challenge him. Or does he? You see, it is kind of interesting that Jesus starts with the second half first because now, in a roundabout way, he goes right back to the top of the list. You like one thing, he says. One thing. You can imagine the man's heart jumping in his chest, knowing that he had done everything just right, and now this good teacher, this morally insightful powerful, godly man was now about to tell him, you lack one thing. I don't know about you, but if I were to stand before Jesus and he were to say, Mike, you've done everything right, but one thing, I would be delighted. One thing. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, then come follow me. When you do that, you'll have treasure in heaven. 
and you can see the man's face. He's doing the math. He's totaling up all of his assets in one column. He's totaling up all that it would take to sell it. He's totaling up all of the effort that it would take to give away all that he has. You know, it's a lot of work to give away a lot of money. Give everything. Then you come follow me. And the man kept calculating it. And then he got to the point where it just didn't add up. The Bible says he got very sad. And he turns and walks away. And Jesus doesn't stop him. Now think about it. This man had the same invitation as Peter and James, Andrew and John. He had the same invitation as those first disciples. Leave everything, come follow me. Leave your father's boats and nets, come follow me. Leave everything, come follow me. He could have been the 13th disciple. He was that close. He lacked one thing and he can't make the math work. And he walks away. And Jesus lets him. In Mark's telling of this story, he has one little line that Jesus loved this man. All the more reason you would expect Jesus to chase him. To say, hold, hold, hold on, Let, let's, talk, let's talk some more. What questions do you have? How can I make this easier for you? I, I, I mean, if, if, if Jesus were a Baptist, we'd sing a couple more verses of just as I am. But we're going to do something so this can, man can make a decision and turn his life around. But Jesus doesn't. You ask. I told you. Now what are you going to do with what I told you? Now, hold that thought. I'm going to step over here, just between you and me. Don't misunderstand what happened in the story. Don't downplay it. Don't shrug it off because you are familiar with the story. I want you to sit with this, and I want you to understand, Jesus will let you walk away. Think about it. He will not force you to come. He will not kidnap you into the kingdom. He gave you a will. He gave you the power to choose. It's one of the things that makes us human. And you can choose to be with God or not be with God. You can choose to follow Christ or not follow Christ. But if you choose not to follow him, he won't make you has to be your choice, has to be your decision. Jesus is not going to hunt you down and grab you. It's your choice. Some of you have thought about this and thought about this. 
And there are days that you wish Jesus would run you down like a linebacker chasing a quarterback and tackle you and hold you down until you finally made a decision to become a disciple. But Jesus won't do that. He'll let you walk away. Be careful that the decision you think you're making to think about it, to hesitate, isn't really a decision to just walk away. Let's get back to our man, our rich young ruler. Ah, it's an easy one for us because we're not rich. Now, we know a lot of people who are rich. Just call us and we'll tell you. This person has a lot of money. That person has a lot of, of wealth. That person has it all. You know those people. They're always people who make more money than you do. That's the rich. Ask anybody. We'll tell you we're average. We are middle class. And one of the reasons we do that is so we can say to ourselves, well, this guy's problem's not my problem. He's hung up on his riches. I'm not. He's the one with the problem. If I were rich, I might have a problem, but I'm not rich and I don't have that problem. Don't misunderstand the issue. It's not that this man is rich. That's not the problem. The problem is not that he has stuff. The problem is the man's stuff has him. Jesus is doing the most loving thing he can do for this man. He is calling him to freedom. He's giving him the opportunity to break away from a life where he is told what to do by all of his possessions. He can't go here, can't be there because he has this obligation. He has that requirement. He has this meeting. He has to take care of this and then take care of that. He is not free. His time has been bought and paid for. This man is owned. He can't make the decision to let his stuff go. Why? Because it's no longer his decision. The decision now belongs to his stuff. As he's walking away, Jesus says how hard it is for the rich person to get into the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Now, <laughs> I can't tell you the number of pages that New Testament scholars have written trying to explain the metaphor that Jesus uses here. There is a gate in the old walls of Jerusalem that was called the eye of the needle. And to get a camel through it, you had to take everything off of the camel the camel had to get down on its all fours and crawl through on its knees. So everybody says, ah, that's what Jesus is talking about. That's what he means, that it's really difficult but not impossible. Hate to tell you, but when you read the text and pay attention to the text, Jesus means exactly what he said. Hold a sewing needle in front of you and try to get a camel through the eye of that needle. That's how impossible it is 
for a rich person to get into the kingdom of God. Well, Peter and John, all the other disciples, they freaked, they panicked. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. For in Peter's understanding and the disciples' understanding and our understanding, somebody who is successful, somebody who is wealthy is blessed. This person must be loved by God because look at all the good things in their life. This person must be really, really faithful to God. Look how God has continued to bless them. And now you're telling me that this person can't get into the kingdom of God? Then who can? Notice what Jesus says. It's impossible for you. It's not impossible for God. You know, Luke says that somewhere else. That's not the first time Luke has used that line. You know where else he used it? Gabriel's word to Mary. But Mary says, how in the world am I going to have a child? And Gabriel says, what's impossible for men is possible for God. You see, Jesus just wasn't saying it's impossible for the rich. He's saying it's impossible for anyone. It's impossible for anyone to be saved on their own. This, this whole thing of, good teacher, what must I do? And then Jesus going, well, why are you calling me good? There's no one good but God. Are you saying that I'm God? In other words, are you going to do what I tell you to do? Do my words have the same authority as God's words have in you? Do you recognize that I'm Messiah, Son of God, and my word has that kind of weight, that kind of authority? Are you going to do what I tell you to do? Or are you going to think about it? If you can't get the math to add up, are you going to walk away? You see, that's the funny part of this story. What is it that Jesus needs? What is it that you and I are going to bring to him? Uh, what is it that Paul says in Romans, who has lo loaned money to God that God would have to repay him? Who has done anything for God that God now owes him? Why is it that you and I think that we have to bring something to Jesus? No, you let that stuff go. The only thing Jesus wants is you. Not your stuff. He doesn't need it. All he wants is you. So drop everything else. Leave everything else and come follow Jesus. It has to be your choice. Make no decision. Make no mistake. Jesus will let you walk away. This is your decision. Leave everything. Come follow me. Then you'll have treasure that lasts. You'll have the treasure that you've always wanted. Remember the story of the prodigal son who takes his father's inheritance, goes to the far country and spends it in riotous living, comes home and the father throws the best party ever. Who would have ever thought that the party the prodigal son was looking for was in his father's own home? The riches you're looking for 
the riches I want most of all. They're in the heart of Jesus. They can't be found anywhere else. So drop everything else. Drop all of these false claims to your identity, to your value, to your worth as a person. Come follow Jesus and find everything you've been looking for every everywhere else but come now Jesus will let you walk away don't let that happen to you too as we continue to worship I want you to think about this the rich young ruler in our story he couldn't get the math to add up and I know while we continue to worship you're going to be going through the same process Here's what's been asked. Here's what's required. When you're working out that formula in your head, add this to one side of the equation. Add Jesus, his death, his resurrection, his invitation, his life, his joy, his, his purpose. It's that word eternal. It's a life of depth and meaning and hope not just a long time. Jesus has all that you're looking for. It overwhelms anything that would hold you back. So come. Come now to Jesus. He won't force you. And he won't wait long. Don't miss this moment. Let's pray together. And now the question comes to us. Leave everything and come follow you. And we pray now, Father, as we worship, as we pray, that all of us would answer, not with our words, but with our whole lives. And we pray this in your name. Amen.